Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. While the uh, baskets are going around, we're going to go ahead and get into the message portion of our service. If you have Bibles, I encourage you to take them out now because we're going to get into the Word here in a moment as well as uh, it'll be on the screen for you. Uh, Today we're going to be doing a message called Make Room for More. And uh, as our announcements have been showing over the past few weeks and we've been talking a lot about it throughout the midweek services throughout October, you know, a lot of exciting things coming up. Um, we're entering a new season as a church with a renewed focus in our community and, and creating space and opportunities for people to connect into relationships is what one of the things that we see throughout Scripture that we want to really emphasize as well as connecting people into the life of our church, into life groups and serving. And one of the things that I think is important for us to be able to, to order to achieve that, that focus is that we need to make room for more. And I don't necessarily mean room in a spatial sense. I think it's important, but more so we're talking about an intentionality or a space in our hearts and in our minds and expectations. So we're going to be talking about that today. And it really comes from this place of wanting good things, right? I think that we do want good things for our lives, but we also, I think if most of us would agree, I want good things for the people around me, right? I think in a general sense, we want people to be happy. We would like people, our neighbors or our friends or our coworkers, to, to have good things, to have a good life, to not be worried all the time, not be stressed all the time, have money to pay our bills. We would like for the, the kids who are struggling on the weekends when they go home with food scarcity, we would like for them to have food. We would like for poverty to not, you know, all of these things. These are all things that we want. We want to see lives changed. We would like to see addictions broken, marriages restored. Restored. And we may even believe that God wants to use us in that process. You know, maybe you've grown up in a church and you've heard that, that God wants to use you as an individual. And, and we may say, I agree with that. God wants to use me. But then sometimes we get stuck because we're not really sure how to make that happen, right? And so today I want to talk a little bit about this idea of what is our part in making that happen. If God does want good things, if God does want to to shine his light, if he does want us to be the light of the world, as Jesus said, he says, "As as my followers, you will be the light of the world. If that's the case, what's our part? How do we do that? How can we make room for more? And so as we move into this next season, I believe that we want to see the dreams for our families and our friends and our community come to life. We want to see God reach them and meet them. We want more for our lives and for those around us. And so in order for that to happen, we do have to make room for more. Years ago, six, seven, eight, maybe even nine years ago, my sister graduated from college and wanted to move to Pittsburgh. And We had a house in McKees Rocks. My wife and I lived there. We had a small house that had three bedrooms and one for each of us. And we were living there, and my sister said she wanted to come to Pittsburgh but didn't have a place to live. She didn't have a job yet. Uh, She didn't have anywhere to stay. And so we offered for her to come and live in our house, but there was nowhere for for her to live. All the bedrooms were being used. The couch wasn't really a great place to to sleep. 
Um, so we began the work of turning a portion of our basement into a room for her to be able to live. We cleared out bins and boxes. We swept down there. We put up curtains around. We put a bed and a TV and, and different spaces uh, to create a moment or a place for her to be able to sleep. And so knowing that she needed a spot to be able to kind of have to be able to get up on her feet to get a job and, and then eventually move out. But in order for the things that she wanted, Eventually, to begin her own life, to have her own apartment, she had to have a place to be able to make that happen. And so we created a space in our home for her to be able to live and to get up on her feet. Well, I think that for us, as I mentioned earlier, we all have a desire for the people in our lives or even the people that we're connected to in our sphere of influence to experience the goodness of God in our lives. But I don't think it's a question of desire as much as it is a question of space and effort. I think that where we oftentimes fall short, even in my own life, of seeing people or seeing God do the things that we want him to do in our lives or in our church, is it's not a question of desire. All of us are here this morning and would say, yes, I want that vision that God has for our community to come to life. I want our church, I want myself to be a consistent life-giving presence in our neighborhoods, right? I want that. I think you would all say that. But it's not a question of desire as much as it is a question of space and of effort. In our busy lives, I think that we have to turn our default desire into expectation and action. We have to turn our default desire into expectation and action. Another way to say it is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you don't have space you won't have grace. If you don't have space, you won't have grace. What do I mean by that? Because some of you are probably, your gears are turning in your head and you're thinking, wait a second, wait a second. I thought that God's grace was free. I thought I didn't have to do anything to get grace. That's not exactly the kind of grace we're talking about. We're not talking about the forgiveness of sins kind of grace. This is what I mean by this. If we don't have space, or we won't make space for the things that we value and that we desire or that we want God to do. Let me say that part again. If we don't have the space or make the space for the things that we value, the things that we desire, or the things specifically that we want God to do, if we don't create moments for that, then God doesn't have the room to fill with his grace, with his presence, with his goodness, his blessing, his supernatural ability to affect our surroundings and our lives. If we don't make space, then we won't have grace. That doesn't mean that we won't have forgiveness. What I'm saying is, is the things that we want to see in our own lives, right, in our personal lives, in our relationships, in our marriage, in our finances, with our kids, at school, whatever, in our church, if we don't create spaces, systems, moments, intentional paths for God to work, if we don't create an expectation that he will do something, or if we don't make the space or create a room for people to know him, or if we don't go into our community, if we don't set up outreaches, if we don't hand out 5,000 door hangers, if we don't do the things that are the creating space, creating the moments, creating the expectation. If we don't do those things, then we don't create the space for God to move. You understand? We don't have a place for his power, his blessing, his grace, all of it to move in our lives. If we don't have space, we don't have grace. And so we find ourselves in this place right now where we're, where we're asking, okay, God, we're, this is where we are now, right? I'm just a guy. Just one dude. 
And we're just a church, one small church in the middle of the East End. This is what we want. We believe you have spoken, but how do we get to where we want to be? How can we translate our desire into expectation and action? I believe we have to make room for more. And I want to look at a story in the Bible in 2 Kings, this is in the Old Testament, 2 Kings, if you open your Bibles, that I believe this Bible, this passage illustrates a concept that we will see a few principles at work that will help us to know how to apply it to our lives and in our church. 2 Kings chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, pull them out. If you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles for you. Everybody can get a Bible before you leave today, right as soon as you leave here or at the Connection Center. Also, get the Bible app. I tell everybody, I actually told a coworker this week about the Bible app. I showed her how to use it. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store, wherever you go, and type in Bible and download it because it is, you can take it everywhere with you. 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to read a story about a man named Elisha, verses 8 through 10. It says this, One day, Elisha went to Shunem, which is a town a prominent woman who lived there persuaded him to eat some food. So she said, hey, come to my house and eat some food with me. So whenever he passed by, he stopped there to eat. So we see this, this pattern that's beginning to evolve is that, that Elisha was a prophet, a man of God, who would go from town to town and he would speak whatever God put on his heart to the people there. And this lady said, come to my house. And then he would do that whenever he would pass through. So we see that there was a pattern that, that began here is that every time he would pass through that area, it became normal that he would stop off at this lady's house and have dinner and eat there, okay? So verse nine says, then she said to her husband, I know that the one who often passes by here is a holy man of God. So let's make a small, walled-in upper room and put a bed, a table, and a chair and a lamp there for him. And whenever he comes, he can stay there. Okay? So what we would see here is that this wealthy woman knew that she wanted something more. She wanted something greater than what she had right now. She wanted a desire. She had the desire in her heart, but it needed to translate into expectation, into action. So she sees this opportunity, this man of God passing by, and everywhere the man of God would go, this prophet, we see this all throughout the Old Testament, that God would use these individuals. This is before Jesus' time, before the Spirit of God came to live within every Christian. So at this point, God only used very specific, special individuals who were prophets. But every time a prophet would go somewhere to a town for a mission that God would give him, some miracle would take place. Oftentimes, this prophet would would pray for someone and they would be healed. Uh, Sometimes you would see them, they would die and they would come back to life or there would be all sorts of things. So this woman sees this happening, okay, and says, I have a desire for him to work in my life, for God to do something. I want to be in the proximity of the one who is always doing something awesome that God is using him. I want that. That desire was there. So she took action to say, I'm going to create a space, a moment, which begins with an expectation that if I just do it, then perhaps something will happen in my life, right? So she created that expectation. She created a space for an outcome that would meet her needs. She used her resources to create a space for more. She told her husband, let's build a room for him to stay in, just like I did with my sister in my home. Now, this action of her creating a room on top of their house changed everything for her and her family. 
the direction of her life and for her others. Here's just a few things that would happen in this, in this room, and we'll talk about it in a minute. She receives a word from God in that room. So first, her creating a space. Later on, she hears directly from God through Elisha. Number two, she would end up losing a loved one, but then she would be bringing her grief into that room and her mourning to that room and ultimately would receive a miracle in that room. You see, because she created a space that wasn't already in existence, at that point, she created an expectation, and then God was able to fill that room with his power to be able to make a difference. Imagine what could happen in this building. Imagine what could happen in this room if we made room for others. And when I say that, I don't mean you can look around and see there are a bunch of spaces where people could be. I mean, imagine if we were intentional about bringing people here. That's what I mean by creating space. Imagine if, what would happen if we brought our friends here, our neighbors here. Imagine when we go out into our community on a consistent basis and people begin to know that Encounter Church exists and that we're here for them. Imagine what would happen when we create the moment, the space for people to meet Jesus, to see the hope, to experience his life-giving power that has changed us. People wondering if God exists and trying to talk to him and listen, but don't even know how. Imagine when we meet people like that. Imagine people bringing their brokenness to this church and experiencing God's healing and restoration that could happen in this room. Countless people have met the Lord here and have been healed in their heart and in their lives and in their bodies. What miracles could actually happen in this room or in this church building? Physical miracles, relationship miracles, and even financial miracles What could happen in this room if each one of us decided to make room for more? So I want to look a little bit deeper into this passage of Scripture and and ask the question, what can we learn about making room for more? Well, the first thing is this, is that we can make room for more begins with an invitation. If you're taking notes, write this down. I think it's important for us. Making room for more begins with an invitation. So first we see that the lady This woman made an invitation. She persuaded, it says, persuaded him to come to her home to eat some food. She knew that every day he was going to pass by whether or not she invited him to come in or not. It was her choice to make a decision that I'm going to translate my desire into an action. I can't expect him to come knocking on my door, right? An invitation was required. Hey, would you come with me? Would you be a part of something? Would you participate? We have to be willing to go get what we want. If we want to see lives change, then we have to find people who need Jesus. If we want to see people's finances restored, then we have to invite people who need financial restoration. If we want to see relationships restored, then we have to invite people who have broken relationships to come with us. You understand? We have to see what it is that is needed and go out to them and to find them. We have to go where people hang out. We have to spend time with people. We have to invite people into our lives, invite them over for dinner. We have to include them. It takes a sacrifice. It takes a moment to say, you know what? The friend of mine or the coworker, that person who needs Jesus, that person who needs a friend, who needs a relationship, I'm tired and I'd rather go home and I don't want to have anybody over for dinner, but I'm going to invite them anyway, right? It's taking the moments to say, I'm going to include people into my life. It's thinking about the disconnected. It's thinking about the ones who don't have the connection, don't have the relationships, the ones who don't have hope and saying, would you come with me? Hey, we're going to hang out today at a baseball game. You want to come along? We're going to come over and watch a movie at my house? You want to have dinner with my family? 
Invite them to church. Invite them to the chili cook-off, right? Invite them to our outreaches. Invite them to be with you, to sit with you on a Sunday morning. Invite, include, invite, include. Invite them into what you do. Invite people to church. And on that point, did you know that the statistics show that 82% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church with you if they were invited? 82%. That's it's incredible. Dr. Tom Rayner from The Unchurched Next Door wrote a book and did a study that said that out of that survey, that 82% of unchurched people, people who do not go to church at all, said that they would be more likely to come to church if they were invited. And so that begs the question, then why aren't these people coming? Most likely it's because we're actually not inviting them to come with us, Right? It's the, the first step is just like this woman from Shunem. She said, hey, would you come to my house? She persuaded him, she said. It wasn't just an invitation. And I, I get it, okay? I understand that we, we live in an era where we want to be politically correct, where we don't want to push things on people. But this scripture is pretty clear. She persuaded him to come. He's like, I don't know. I got a lot of things to do. I'm busy. I'd rather sleep in on a Sunday morning or whatever Elisha would say. But translating that to us today, she persuaded him to come to her home. Now, maybe the first step for you isn't necessarily inviting them to the church right off the bat, if they're really resistant to that. But you know what you could do is invite them to your house for dinner or to watch a football game with you or to a church activity like the Monday night football things that we do uh, as a church or maybe to an EC gentleman or an EC ladies event or something or a fun event or a life group, something. Maybe that's the first step. Persuade them to come. Enjoy dinner with you and our groups or snacks or whatever, you know. Invite them to come persuade them. No, seriously, it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be great. I'm telling you, this is what you need in your life, whatever. Let's be people who invite. And I encourage you to invite people to church because 82% of the people that you invite are much more likely to come. Making room for more begins with an invitation. Number two, the second thing that we can learn about making room for more is this, is it's easier to make room for more in community. Okay, look, look at what the scripture says. It says, then she said to her husband, hey, I know that the one who often passes by here is a holy man of God. So let's make, let's. That's a community. That's a group. They did it together, right? Let's means together. Let's do this together with each other. It's encouraging when you see your friend next to you bringing someone, or it's encouraging for us to go to lunch together and invite someone to come along. It's encouraging for us to know that we're all doing this together, that we're coming together to do this one thing, right? Now, this is interesting. There are 59, 59 one another verses in the New Testament. They're commands. Check this out right here. This is just a few of them. Mark 9.50 says, be at peace with one another. So I want to show you how, how throughout Scripture the language that's used is togetherness. It's doing it all in one space together. Love one another is told 15 different times to love each other, one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 16 says to honor one another. Romans 12, 16 also says to live in harmony with one another. Romans 15, accept one another then just as Christ accepts you. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says serve one another in love. Galatians 6, chapter 2 says carry each other's burdens. You see the pattern emerging here. It's about groups. It's about community. It's about inviting people people, including them, doing things together. Ephesians chapter 4, 32, forgiving each other. And then Hebrews 3, 13, encourage one another daily. The whole idea here is to be inclusive of others, 
to bring them in and then to serve together. It's so much easier for us to invite, to make room for more if we do it together as a group. If one person's doing all the work, they're going to get frustrated and tired and stop. They're going to get discouraged. But when we all do it together, that's why we want you to come out next Saturday for the Invitation Saturday. Because if three people show up trying to hand out 5,000 door hangers, it's going to be frustrating. But you know what happens? If 30 people show up, it's done in a flash and you have a good time together. That's why we need groups. That's why we need more people. That's what we see in this passage of scripture. And she wasn't just taking the responsibility to do it herself. She invited her husband to join her. Let's build a room for the man of God. It's easier to make room for more in the context of community. We have to create space for invitation together. Let's work together to create the right environment so that when people come on a Sunday morning, they see a clear path to Jesus because we're all doing it together. Let's create an expectation, all doing our part, and be looking out for each other. Let's encourage each other. And the third thing, the third thing that we can learn, the first was making room for more begins with invitation. The second is it's easier to make room for more in community. And this is probably maybe the most practical and hardest one to, to, to sink into our hearts is this. If you're going to make room, you may have to convert space that could be used for something else. In order to make room, you may have to convert that space that could be used for something else. She said, let's make a small walled-in upper room and put a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp there for him. And then whenever he comes, he can stay there. Now, that room was probably used for something else, or that space was probably used for something else. I want, I want to show you what a picture of a house would look like. So imagine that top there. That was probably like a rooftop bar or something, right, that you see in cities all the time. I'm just kidding. But imagine for a second that they had that space probably as a patio. Maybe they used it for, for growing, growing food. Perhaps they used it to dry their clothes after laundry, whatever it might have been. But they said, let's convert part of it into something else. But in order to do that, they lost square footage in their home. They lost an opportunity to do something else so that they could make room for something more important. And it's really important for us to understand that if we want to go where God is calling our church to go, if we want to be people, whether it's corporately or even personally, if I want to see God move in my finances, then that probably means that I need to stop getting Starbucks every day because if I don't have the money to pay for my bills. That's an example of that. Making room for something else means having to maybe convert something from another space. The same thing is true for us in our personal or in our corporate life as a church. In order for us to be welcoming of guests, then that means that when our friends are here, we have to say, hey, I'm going to hang out with you later. Right now, I'm going to talk to a guest. Understand? It's converting one opportunity into another. It means, you know what, I would rather go home today and watch a football game, but instead I'm going to take that time and money and I'm going to go out to lunch with our church to be in a space where other people can come. It's making choices to convert what it is that I, what I want and what I have and making room for someone else. We did that in my sister when she came to our house. We used the storage space and turned it into a living space. And I don't say that from a perspective of look at me, look at Pastor Jared, but that's the principle of it applied, right? Converting one thing into another. And there are always costs associated with building projects. There are always hidden costs, and that means things like inconvenience. 
It means things like an attic or a storage room or a TV room. What is the expenses that we are now sacrificing to make room for something else? In order for me to get there, there's going to be an inconvenience, right? Living in a home right now that, that in this, this space right here on this picture on the screen, in order for us to, to turn this into a beautiful space means a while of living in a place that's, that's dirty. There's sawdust everywhere. There's nails you could possibly step on, right? You don't want people to come into that space because you feel like it's not ready yet. Right? There's an inconvenience of it. It might be drafty in the room. I have to take my weekends when I could be enjoying it to do that. Whatever it might be, there are always building costs associated with making space an inconvenience. But is it worth it? So we would ask the question, then, well, then why bother in the first place? Why do we go through all of this? Why go to the expense? Well, here's why. The woman chose to build because of what might happen there. The woman decided to take her resources and space and use it and apply it and inconvenience her family and to maybe lose a couple things because of what might happen in that room. I said earlier that she would receive a word from God in that room, that she would lose a loved one. Her son would end up dying, and she would go to that room, and she would weep, and she would cry. And through Elisha, God would speak to her and comfort her, and then she would witness a miracle when her son was raised from the dead. All of that happened in that room and would not have happened had she not made the space. So I go back to that earlier moment when we talked about what could happen here. What could happen if a a guest walked in the door And instead of ignoring them because we're huddled in a group eating donuts and coffee, which is why they're there, but as a dream team, as a church, wanting to create spaces for other people, what could happen if we turned outward and as soon as we saw a guest, we walked over to them and we welcomed them? And lo and behold, perhaps that person had just lost a loved one that week and they're crying out for something. Maybe, just maybe, this is their last moment. They say, you know what, God, if you're there, I'm going to go to church one last time. And see if you're there. Perhaps you're speaking to them. Perhaps your love, your reflection of Jesus Christ in that moment might be an answer to prayer for them. Perhaps when they come here and they understand who Jesus is and they give their life to him, that maybe they begin to apply the principles that we see in Scripture to their marriage. And their marriage that was on the brink of divorce is now restored. Perhaps in those moments that people begin to apply their principles of God's living to their financial situation, they were on the verge of bankruptcy. and and drowning in debt, and perhaps over time, God begins to restore their finances, and they begin to see that God cares about all aspects of their lives. Perhaps there was someone who was about to commit suicide, and we reached them in the city. Perhaps there was someone whose kids were dying of hunger and starvation because they don't have any food, and we fed them in our communities. Perhaps that is what could happen if we go, if we're willing if we create the spaces and the moments, and yes, it might mean getting up on a Saturday morning and not sleeping in. Perhaps it might mean giving to a church that is desperately desiring to reach people. Perhaps it means saying no to the Starbucks just so we can contribute to something else. Perhaps, I don't know, whatever it might mean, but yes, it might mean inconveniencing ourselves for the greater good because of what could happen. The Shunem lady, she built a room with an expectation that God would fill it with his grace. So we started off by saying, right, this this phrase of if you don't make space, you can't have grace. She created a space and filled it with an expectation that the holy man would come, and when he would come, miracles would take place. That's what I want for our church. 
That's what I want in my life. I need to make space for God to move. If I'm frustrated that God isn't operating in my life, if if prayers aren't being answered, if I feel like God isn't speaking to me, maybe I'm not creating moments to listen to him. I can tell you that that's true. If I go days and days without reading scripture or taking time to pray and listen to the word, I don't have anybody to blame but myself because I'm not taking the time, creating the space, the opportunity, the moment for God to speak. I'm just ignoring him. And we do that as a church all the time. Church is, I mean, right? We come to church on a Sunday morning. We sing a bunch of songs. We hear a pastor preach, and we leave, and we feel great. that We check the box off of the week. But what we're not doing is creating moments. We're not creating an expectation for God to move every single Sunday. When we come here, worship is not just singing songs. It's creating an expectation that we're going to meet with the living God who can impact us in that moment. It's creating a moment of, well, that's why we do the coffee and the donuts. That's why we take time to make sure the lights look good and we have things on the screen so that we're creating opportunities so that when a hurting or a broken person or a searching individual comes, that they can hear about Jesus and they can meet him. That's why we go into our communities. That's why we serve. That's why we're doing the chili cook-off. It's not just so that we can have fun. It's not simply a marketing ploy. You know what it is? It's creating room. It's creating space. It's saying, I want people to experience what I have, and therefore I'm going to give of my time. I'm going to give of my energy. I'm going to give of my resources to make space for other people. And maybe the hardest place for us to do that is in our own lives. It has to start with us as individuals. We have to create an expectation that if I take time out of my busy week and invite people over to dinner, that God's going to use that dinner to build relationships and build bridges to him. I have to make a decision in my personal life that I'm going to give to the church. I'm going to give to to God out of my finances that I could use for something else. But as I do that, I believe there's an expectation. My wife and I have have this kind of habit or ritual that when we tithe, we say a prayer over it. God, would you take this money that we're giving you now? And I don't say it like in a, you know, I could use this for a video game. You know, I don't say that. But in my heart, that's kind of what I'm saying to myself. I recognize that right now this money that I'm about to give to you could be used for a number of other things, but I'm giving it to you with an expectation that you will take it and that you will do your thing, that you will use it so that your church can reach the lost, so that lives can be healed. When you think of it that way, you're less likely to be you know, grumbling about giving because I'm thinking, you know what? I'm giving to God whose desire is to reach people. So now I'm taking that money, that's me converting space and creating an expectation. Creating an expectation is what it's all about. To make space for more means that we might need to put aside an evening or a weekend of afternoon of relaxing so that we can invite someone disconnected over for dinner or to hang out. And when we do that, what we're saying with our actions and our priorities is that we expect God to use that space for life change. So I encourage you to take some small steps in your own life. What are the personal things that you could do to create space in your own life? Whether it be personally, like, okay, God, I want you to move in my finances. What do I need to do to make space for you to move in my finances or in my marriage or with my kids? And then the next step of that, what can I do so that my friends or my coworkers can know you? And then that next step as a church and for us is what do we need to do? What are the steps that we take in our willingness to do that? The woman and her husband, they built a small room. They didn't build a brand new house. They built a small room. So for you, what is the small steps that you can take? And I believe that God will fill that space that we build. God will fill the space. Would you stand with me as we close?
I want to challenge you with this, this last moment here. The challenge for us today is to create the space for God's grace. All right? If we don't make space, then we can't have grace. So in order to meet that, I want to challenge you to create space so that we can experience God's grace in our lives. Yes, we love the grace of his goodness and of his mercy and his forgiveness, but what about the grace of of him just investing in lives, of restoring, of healing, of changing our assumptions, of challenging those things, of bringing people together, of creating unity? That's grace as well. God's presence is grace. I want to see God's grace in our church, in our lives for him, in our relationships with others. And so Luke chapter 6, verse 38 finishes this. Let's close our eyes. I want, to, I want you to listen to how, we, how if we give of our time and how if we give of our resources and how if we just create space, what is promised to us. This is Luke chapter 6, verse 38. This is Jesus speaking, and he says this, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, which is pressed down, shaken together and running over. In other words, it's packed in there. Like, like what's going to be handed to you will be full. It will be poured into your lap, for with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. What Jesus is saying there, it's not about money. He's saying the space that you give God to use will be filled with his presence, and you will get, you'll be able to see it. You will be able to partner with him to be used in that space, and you will be filled yourself with more grace and goodness and blessing in your life. That's God's economy. God's economy is based around if you participate in God's plan, if you participate under his blessing and his principles, that you will reap the side benefits of it because you are walking in step with him. If you want to see your neighbors and your coworkers and your friends come to Jesus, if you begin to invest your time, energy, and resources in that, watch how your time, energy, and resources begin to change and shift. Watch how your relationships with other people begin to be healed. As you put God first, as we as a church emphasize and prioritize putting God's priorities first over our own preferences, as we say no to our uncomfortabilities and yes to Jesus' plan for our community, as we do that, I believe that we're going to see the side products, our giving will increase, or the chairs will begin to be filled in. I believe that we'll see our own relationships restored as we're working on other people, as we're sharing the gospel with them, as we create space. And God, that's what we want. We want to make room for more. God, we want people to come here and in miracles to take place in this church. We want relationships to be mended in this church. We want people who are searching to to asking questions, crying out, God, do you even exist? We want them to find this place and to find answers and to find you. But first we have to open our hearts to say, what can I do? Can I make room for more? How can I make room for more? Help each of us to build small rooms, to build small rooms of expectation. So that's, that's, that's it for this morning. Would you, each of us, if that's your prayer, if that's your prayer, just, just tell him in your own words, in your heart, even out loud if you'd like to just say, God, my heart is for more, for more people to know you. God, would you show me what my steps are? Let me stop thinking about myself and think about the others. Help me to, to say yes to the mission of this church 
to say yes to the mission that you have given me as an individual. Help me to see my neighbors and my coworkers. Help me to see my finances and my, my situation, all the resources you've given me as tools in your hands to be used for other people. Give us a desire, but turn that desire into action and expectation. And then the coming days as we move into this season of excitement, as we go out next Saturday, we pray over that in Jesus' name that every one of those door hangers would be laced with your Holy Spirit so that when people touch them, they would be drawn to this church. That people would know that this church is a lighthouse, it is a beacon in the middle of a dark place. That even now you would begin to prepare their hearts, their eyes, that when they see the door hangers, that something would be changed in them. Maybe people who are antagonistic to, to, to faith, to religion, would now begin to be softened to it so that when it comes, that any other thing that would come on their door, they would throw it away immediately. But somehow they see this door hanger and something would be different. God, make us ready. We are opening our doors. We are going into our city. We are going into our community. We are intentionally creating space and expectation. We believe in faith that you are going to do awesome things. And in the weeks and in the months and years to come, this building or anywhere else that you take us, God, that this will be a house of a place that miracles will take place, that lives will be changed. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.